0: Good morning, everyone, although I've already spoken this morning. (laughs) It's so good to be here. Um, My privilege to share with you this morning. Before I um, share the word, I just want to share a few other things. Um, So many things, I don't know where to start, but let's first share. I want to tell you what the kids are doing in Kids Church this morning. So um, they're going to ask the Lord to show them a vision, each child. And then the kids' church facilitators are going to help them to draw their vision. And then they're going to help them to interpret it, which is amazing. So um, I want to encourage, especially the parents whose children are in kids' church this morning, to chat to them about it afterwards and um, to, to treat it so, um, as so valuable. I wanted to, I thought to illustrate, to maybe share something about Malaya. So before we went to Thailand in February this year, Malaya's five. We, we tried to pray quite a bit for the mission, and it never worked out. It was always a meltdown and a disaster. The one time that we prayed, for all the times we tried, only one time worked out. And um, I wasn't even there. Raina and Malaya prayed. And Raina said to Malaya, let God show you a picture. What do you close your eyes? What do you see? So she said, "I see a, a blue house with snow." Now it's very easy to think that she just made that up, and she might have. You know, if they say something like that. You don't really know. But Reina sa- just said to her, okay, "Let's write down what you saw," and he just treated it as valuable. He didn't try and figure out whether she saw or real a vision, or whether it was the imagination. He just said, let's just write that down, and then if the Lord showed you that, then we'll know what it means. So at at the moment, it was impossible to interpret that, a blue house with snow. I don't know. I can interpret that, but I mean, I might also be making it up. (laughs) So when we went to Thailand, and you know, we're going to Thailand, so snow is not a big possibility. And then Towards the end of the mission, we were walking somewhere and we were on a plot of ground that the ministry bought that we went to pray for. And then Malaya came to us and she said, there it is. And next to the plot was this blue house. Because in Thailand, houses are sometimes like literally blue. And then um, Raina, as we were praying, Raina suddenly understood, because we were praying for the presence of God, he understood that what she, he said to her, what does the snow look like? And she explained it to him and he understood that it's, the glory cloud that she sees, it's the presence of God. So obviously that's a big memorial for us. So for the parents, as your kids come out of kitchen today, just ask them what they saw and treat it as valuable. If, even if, it, if the Lord shows you what it means, then share that with them. But even if you don't know right now what it means, keep it somewhere and trust the Lord to at some point show what it means. I believe God is going to interpret all the kids' drawings for them because he's faithful and he wants to teach them. So I'm very excited about that. I love kids' Church. <laughs> and then I just want to um, share quickly, thank you so much, David, for what you shared. And um, last week, Johannes shared a similar experience where him and Louis, at small group, and only him and Louis showed up, and they um, decided to pray. And they, they prayed a bit, and they felt like giving up, and then Louis would say, No, let's press in. And then they prayed a little bit more, and then they feel like giving up. And then Johannes would say, No, let's press in. And they prayed to a point where the way they described to me what they experienced, similar to what David now said, really suddenly being aware of who God is and really actually having a spontaneous sense of repentance, um, that is revival. That is re- how revival works. It starts in prayer, and it starts when the Lord leads you to that spontaneous awareness of who he is and his repentance. I experienced that when I got saved, and I experienced that when we went to Indonesia and we saw a real revival. So I'm just incredibly encouraged to hear these testimonies and what the Lord is doing, and I want to give all of us the expectation for this. Um, It's a trickle that's starting in something that the Lord is doing. Last Sunday, um, who knows who wasn't in the service last Sunday evening? (laughs) Someone else. Does anyone know what last Sunday was on the Jewish calendar? Rosh Hashanah, what is that? Do you know? Jewish New Year. So what does it mean? Day of work. Day of work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you get a day of work? I don't. <laughs> Agnes? Yes. Yom Kippur. So 10 days, so Tuesday is Yom Kippur. So we don't, um, obviously, a lot of what is in the Jewish tradition has been fulfilled in Christ already, so we don't follow all the Jewish traditions, um, because a lot of that God is already fulfilled. But it's good to sometimes understand times and seasons. So the um, Jewish New Year was a time when, or it is still for the Jews, a time when they think about, they reassess their life and where they're going, and how is it going with them, and all they really, the the way they phrase it, they say that they assess if they are being their true selves. And then you work out where you are being your true self and where you are not for 10 days until Yom Kippur, which would be this Tuesday. And then on Yom Kippur is the day of repentance. So you repent of every place where you are not living your true self, true self being the identity that God has given you. So um, just very much in the same line as what David and Johannes were sharing, and believe the Lord encouraging us, it can always be a good thing to reevaluate if you're living your true identity in Christ and to, to bring that again to him. I'm just very excited about it. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your voice. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us in. Thank you that we can meet with you. Thank you that you died on the cross. And therefore, we can enter into your presence through the veil, into the holiest of holies where you are. And this morning, we can't explain the worth of that, Lord, the value and the privilege of that. And we honor you this morning. We declare that you are the king. We declare we love you, Jesus. We declare who you are in the spirit realm this morning, that you are the way and the truth and the life that you reign. We want to exalt you this morning on your throne as you rightfully are. We want to acknowledge that you are the king, that you reign. Thank you, Lord, that we can move with you this morning. Thank you that we are safe under your wing. Thank you for your spirit that guides us. Thank you for this time. We want to consecrate this time. Thank you that you speak to us, Lord. And we yield our hearts to you for you to speak. And we trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to share a bit of a, almost like a feedback message this morning. Who have you heard when I spoke about the why? Okay, most of you, if you've missed it, you can go and look that up on our sermon archives. I preached about why, and the core of that message was that we need to ask God, why am I alive? Why do I live? And there are some generic answers that are in the Bible for that. But for each one of you, there's a specific answer that God wants to show you. And obviously, that's around identity and around destiny. And this morning, I'm speaking about the how. So these are things as Christians that we need to be engaging with in our personal lives consistently. And uh, it's very rare that God would one night in a dream just give you the full answer and that's that. He might give you a dream and give you some of the answer. But a lot of these things are progressive. So as Christians, this is some of the self-leadership that we need to be doing. We need to be continually asking why and how um, and let the Lord guide you in that. So there's the why and the why is very important and God needs to answer you in that regard. And we've had some amazing testimonies after that sermon of people who've asked God and who've come to answers and who've actually made some life changes and life decisions based on that. Um, because God formed you in the womb. Before He even formed you in the womb, He knew you, and He purposed something specific for you, and it, it all comes together as well, and I spoke about that in that sermon. It's, it's, it doesn't just end with you. He brings us all together in a specific purpose. And this morning I want to speak about the how. So I want to use the analogy of a, a bus, and it's not my analogy. It's John Andrews, who sitting here this morning has seen John Andrews' sessions around values okay, almost half if anyone else would like to see it it's available for free I can give you the link it's very insightful um, he is a well um, experienced and trained theologian and pastor and this is what he spends his life on is all the values and and guiding and consulting churches and pastors in terms of lifestyle, vision and values so he describes this process. And I'm using his analogy about a bus. He's saying we all get on a bus and the question is, how do we behave on the bus? And Matthew, you can take that away because everyone's eyes just suddenly went to that side. <laughs> just take the slides off, thanks. So um, obviously I'm sure all of us have driven on a bus, so I'm sure it's not rocket science to buy a bus ticket. Um, when you buy a bus ticket, what How do you do this? What do you need to know? When you go to the counter and you want to buy the ticket, what do you say? Tell them where you want to go. And you ask how much it costs. Okay, so um, you obviously want to get on a bus that's going where you want to go. Because if if it's not, then that's really completely pointless. Um, And then you'll probably look at what it costs and you will count the cost. You'll probably have different options and you'll choose probably the cheapest one or... Maybe you will know that the cheapest bus is really dirty, so you won't choose the cheapest one. You'll choose something or... You'll have some way of counting the different costs involved, and you'll make a decision based on that. Um, When you need to go somewhere, you need to go to, let's say, PE, and you buy a bus ticket, when you buy the ticket, do you consider who else will be on the bus? No. Why don't you consider it? Because... It doesn't matter. What if you got on the bus and um, everyone is, it's like the most rowdy, it was drinking and it's terrible. You might hop off at the first station, yes, (laughs) and pick another bus. How bad would it be if you have to stick it out? Could be pretty bad. Depends on where you have to go. Okay, so this is the question. The reason why typically you don't buy your ticket based on who's going to be on the bus is because typically you don't ride a bus, for, for instance, for a year. Okay, so normally a bus ride is 10 hours, 20 hours, 2 hours. And however bad it gets, unless people are killing each other, you could probably survive it. Besides, you don't really have a way of finding out who's going to be on the bus. <laughs> um, and. That information is not made available because it typically doesn't matter because it's not going to be for very long. But the analogy that John Andrews uses is that getting into a church is like getting on a bus. So you are all here this morning, so most of you are members of this church, so you've gotten onto this bus. And this bus is going somewhere. Hopefully every bus, there might be buses that are not going somewhere, I'm not sure, but the idea is that all the churches should be going somewhere. What do we call the place that we are going to. Don't say heaven. <laughs> I hope all the buses are going to heaven. <laughs> but what, what, do you, what do we call this? We find a sentence to describe where we're going. What do we call that sentence? Vision. Okay, so we have a vision, and that's a, a, somewhere that we are going. We all know that we are going there. Now, Matthew, if you can show the pictures of the bus. Yeah, I'm just going to go through all of them. So I've taken pictures of people on a bus, so the different kind of situations you can have on the bus. So this one was the most fun picture I found. This is the bus I want to be on, except maybe that it's all about a phone, but I like the joy and the friendship. Next one. Okay, so you might find a bus or a time on a bus when everyone's sleeping. That could have pros, that could have cons. Next one. Okay, this for me was a bus where everyone, no one is themselves. Everyone has is, is got a specific face that they put forth. Next one. Okay, this is a um, bus where it's got really going wild. So in John Andrew's description, he says sh- some you get sometimes you get blood on the bus. Okay, this is the bus that I might not even want to be on for one hour. Next one. This also looks kind of fun. A little bit cramped maybe. Next one. Next one, Matthew. Ah, oh, thanks. Tourists maybe going on an interesting journey, lots of different generations, some different nations. Looks like they're having a good time. Next one. This one looks like everyone's doing their own thing. Uh, this is what I felt a lot when I was in Europe, It's like no one on the bus. Um, speaks to each other and if you speak out loud it's like next one is that the last one last one okay you can take it off so whatever bus you find yourself on doesn't matter if it's going to be a short trip but when you join a church um, some people join churches a new one every six months but that's not really ideal because uh, a church is a family and it's a home So if you think about God uses the natural to illustrate the spirituals, if you think about the natural, my kids are born into my house and my kids will be my kids for the rest of their lives. If I were a parent that in some way got abusive, then the authorities would take my kids away and take them to another house. If I didn't feed them, if I didn't love them, if I didn't nurture them, then that is the situation where they should be taken out of my house. But otherwise, they shouldn't. God wants me to be their their parent, and I should be their parent for life. So um, you join a church, and it's probably going to be for a long time, possibly for life. And therefore, it matters where you are going. It doesn't help you join a church which is going somewhere that you don't want to go. And not so much actually about where you want to go, but where the Lord is calling you to go. You join a church which is going in a direction where the Lord is calling you to go. But you're going to be there for a very long time. And all the pictures I showed you, technically all those buses could be going to PE. And and in a certain amount of time, they could all reach PE. But when they get there, they might not l- get there in the same state. <laughs> one of them might not have passengers left, living passengers. <laughs> um, in one, everyone would be asleep. In one, everyone would still be wearing masks. So... Vision is important, but values need to accompany vision. What is the how? How do we behave on the bus? What is the behavior exhibited on the bus? What determines that? It's our values, and our values determine our culture. So it's important that we have a vision, that we know where we are going, but it's also important that we have values, that we know what kind of people we want to be when we get to where we were going, and in which way did we get there. So as a church, most of you would know that we've been going through this process of trusting the Lord um, to really refine and put down on paper what our values are. We've never, as a church, put it down on paper. As a show of movement, we have specific values. But as as a congregation, in terms of what the Lord is calling us to do, we've never gone through this process, and we are loving it. We've been at it for quite a few months. And this morning, I'm here to share the feedback of where we're at with that right now. And just to give a bit of background around how this works. So um, the key scripture that it all resol- revolves around is uh, David's scripture. Romans 12 is due. Well done, David. <laughs> um, and I want to show you this picture, the one after Matthew, the slide after the buses. Life is not just about where you're going. It's about who you are becoming. So I think in, we've often seen this in the world um, especially sometimes if you st- speak to young students, they they have a goal. The goal is usually to do with success and money, But the, and they are thinking about how to reach their goal, but they are not thinking about who they will become while they are reaching that goal. And the way that you reach your goal determines who you become, because you can reach your goal, but by the time you get there, you've become a person that you don't want to be, and that's such a sad situation to find yourself in, and many people end up there. So your, what you believe, and as a church, what we believe is our statement of faith, which you can simply find on the internet if you don't, haven't read it, <laughs> um, and it's our values. Okay? That's what you believe. What you believe influences your thinking. What John Andrews refers to as an environment as opposed to an environment. Romans 12 is too... David read it already, and we're really going to dig into it now. What, what you are thinking determines your behavior. And your behavior and a lot of people's behavior together determines the environment or the culture or the atmosphere. So if someone, um, there's a, a bar next to the church here. So if it was not Sunday morning, if it was Saturday evening right now, And someone came in from the bar and they were in the bar and they were hitting other people. And we were having church and they walked in here. Unless they were very drunk (laughs) and not thinking at all. But let's say they were reasonably sober but they were just an aggressive kind of person. If they walked in here, what would they likely do? Is it likely that they would just continue the behavior that they were exhibiting in the bar? Probably not. They're probably down and first see what's going on, probably sit around the back, probably try and almost hide and see what's going on here. That person is experiencing the collective thinking in the room and the beliefs. So in the room we have certain beliefs and values, for instance we don't hit each other, that's one (laughs) part of our culture. Um, There's a way that we think about it and because we we have actually thought about the fact that we don't hit each other it's it's behavior for us so all of us are in this room and we have a similar kind of behavior the similar behavior creates a culture and when 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 there's a lot of us the culture is determined by our collective thinking and behavior when when an individual comes in he's he walks into our culture this is what the kind of thing that you would find in high school. It's called peer pressure. And obviously, depending on whether the culture is good or, or bad, it's positive peer pressure or negative peer pressure. Depending on what you walk into, that's what you get influenced by. And this process works both ways. So the person coming into us as a group, he would assess the culture subconsciously. It's not something he's going to think about. He will just do it. He would assess the culture, and he would adapt his behavior to fit in. Okay, so let's let's say he stays for an hour because he was very curious. He just wanted to see what's going on here, and then he leaves back to the bar. When he goes back to the bar, what happens to his behavior? It changes back. Is it likely, unless the Lord did a work in his life while he was in here, which, I mean, I hope happens, but unless that happens and he walks back into the bar, he just, his behavior changes back to his environment. Just having seen... Even though the fact that he changed his behavior while he was here, he adapted his behavior. He didn't change in himself. And then he went back to his culture and he adapted back to that culture. Now, this is the way it works from here to here. but. It also works the other way around. So when you become part of a certain culture and you join in, you see how people behave. And the way that everyone behaves changes your thinking, if you let it, if you think about it. And if you've really thought through it, you can change your beliefs. When you've just changed behavior, like that guy, then you've just adapted to environment. There's no real change. This is the crux. If you can change behavior and then change thinking, and this is what the scripture says, and we're going to look at it now, then you can get to a point where you change belief, and then something changes for real. So if you know what you believe, now this is where the difference comes in. If Johannes, if it's Saturday night and we're having church and he feels he should, the Lord leads him to the bar, if he slips out and he goes into the bar, What does Johannes do in the bar? Is it the reverse? Is he going to go into the bar and hit people? Why not? Why doesn't the opposite just happen of what happened to the guy from the bar coming here? Because of his belief. So, when you have a belief that you've thought about, so you've exercised your mind, the Bible calls renewing your mind, you've used your mind to think about something that you believe, and you really believe it, then you can walk into a different um, environment or atmosphere or culture and not adapt yourself because of your core belief. This is the power of values. When you know what you believe and you know what your values are, then you change the culture, and the culture doesn't change you. And this is why it's important as a church that we have values and that we know what we believe. Because w- this is the culture that we want. We want kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is only as strong as we've thought of it and, and actually believe it in every single heart. You will you, find this with yourself um, two situations. The one is if you look at your behavior in church and you, you walk, so on a Sunday and on a Monday you walk into work, And you see if you've adapted your behavior. You can tell how strong some of your beliefs are. And you can question that and work on that. Also, I find a lot of people, I found that a lot of people find that when you get married, um, when you get married and you've been used to adapting yourself with your family, and then you kind of adapt yourself with your husband, and then suddenly you're in a room with your family and your husband. And you never realize that you're slightly adapting yourself either way. And you're in a room where you find that you can't adapt yourself two ways at once. So often when people get married, that's there's that, f- that when my parents and my spouse, when you're all in the same room, there's a fight, things don't work out. And often it's you or ad- you've become accustomed to slightly adapting yourself for your family and slightly adapting yourself, your husband, um, you adapting to the environments around you instead of living your true self, in your core belief yourself to identity in Christ, where you would, if you really, if we really grew to a place where we each in our core identity, you wouldn't really change where you are. Um, and I'm talking about not outward changes, I'm talking about changes of belief. Of course, there's slight outward changes, like some people I speak Afrikaans, to, some people are speak English to, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about your core belief. So this is why values are important. And values happen, and their power becomes, it's, it's important and it's powerful in the individual, but it's exponential in the group. And this is why, as a church, we are pursuing God's values for us, and we want to m- make it clear, um, and we not, it's not like myself and Raina are fasting and writing it down. Lots of people, we have had really big groups who've been involved, and in different task teams who've worked on it, who believe God gives, a, gives it to us together. As a church, and it's been really amazing journey in that way to see how different people bring it together. Proverbs twenty-seven verse seventeen: "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." Now I um, want to speak about Romans twelve verse two. If you can put that up, us Matthew, and this is the the crux for me: biblical scripture about that cycle that I just showed you about belief and values. Romans 12, two, Matthew. Matthew. No. Do not conform to the pattern of this will, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you read Romans 12, it starts out in verse 1. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice. Bodies, verse 1. Verse 2, your mind. Verse 3. Three to seven is serving God with spiritual gifts. So, if you read Romans twelve, the writer is saying, suck, um, "What's the word? Present your bodies, bodies, renew your mind, your soul, and then serve God with spiritual gifts. Bring your spirit." So, we know from Scripture that you are three parts: your body, soul, and spirit. And something that I wanted to mention with this is, I think something that's perhaps happened amongst us over the years is we are, as a Shofar movement, we are very um, gifted spiritually. We have a good understanding of the spirit and we believe in deliverance, we believe in spiritual gifts, we practice it, uh, we know how to grow your spirit. But sometimes we've a little bit neglected the soul. Your soul is your mind and your emotions and your will. And Scripture brings all of them to God, your body, your soul, and your spirit. So the realm that I'm really talking a lot about this morning is that of the soul, and it's that of your mind. And I've had a conversation with someone around a, a challenge that they're facing in their life. And they said, but they fasted, and they've prayed, they've done deliverance, and it's just not resolving. And I said, well, I do believe this problem that you're describing to me, it's a soul problem. You've tried everything in the spirit realm, and it's, I'm not surprised that it's not working. It's awesome that you did that because everything works together, but that's not the full answer. You need to address it in the soul. You need to actually work through your emotions. Let your heart be healed, and you need to also allow your mind to work. Um, you know God gave you your mind. And your mind can be sanctified, and you have to use your mind to the glory of God just as you use your body to the glory of God and you use your spirit to the glory of God. So this morning, in a lot of ways, we're letting our, using our minds to the glory of God. Like I showed that those arrows, The your thinking is an integral part of your life. It's an integral part of your spirituality. It determines a lot of things. That is why the Bible would say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Matthew, if you can show us that next one. Okay, so this takes every word in that scripture and it takes it back to the original text in Greek and then it gives the definition of that word. Of course, the sentences in the original language is not in the same structure. So this is not always the best way. It's not the ideal way to interpret the text. But I can't read Greek, (laughs) so (laughs) I can't give you the exact structure. Armand is... Studying through sets, so in a few years you can do this for us, But um, this is—it is helpful to do this if you keep in mind that that wasn't the original sentence structure. So just to look at some of it, do not be conformed. So anyone want to read that Greek word for us? <laughs> so what the word means to assume a certain form or figure. Okay, be conformed to this world, a space of time and age. Okay, so. Do not let your thinking assume a certain form of figure of this time and age, but be transformed, metamorph. that's a word we're familiar with from Greek, by the renewing, renewal, literally, of your mind. Your mind, your understanding, and your reason. So that you may prove, by test, uh, by implication to approve. What is the good and perfect will of God? So literally speaking about your mind, and the word literally meaning mind, understanding, and reason. So the scripture says, do not be conformed to this, the thinking of this age and this world. Don't let the way that you think and what you're thinking and how you're thinking about it, don't automatically let it be the same as this world. So some of the research... Shows that when you walk into a room, unless you have a strongly defined belief about something, you will conform to the strongest idea in the room. This was my example. The guy from the bar probably doesn't have a strongly defined idea about violence. He's just going with the flow. It's not like he's for violence. You know what I mean? He just, it just happens to him. So he doesn't have a strongly defined belief. So when he walks into this room, he conforms to the strongest idea in this room. Johannes has a strongly defined idea about not being violent. So when he walks into that room, he doesn't conform to the idea in the room. Do not be conformed to this world. Just go back one, Matthew. Do not be conformed to the thinking of this age and this time. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed so you can actually... It doesn't... Just say your mind is transformed. It says you are transformed when you renew your mind. So changing your thinking can change everything about you. That's what it says. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The scripture gives it as something that you should do, not as something that should just happen to you. It's, It's an active action on your part. You need to actively renew your mind. It's a, it's a command. It, it's an action. There's something required on your part. Your p- participation is needed. <laughs> your initiation is needed to, to renew your mind, your understanding, and your reason. So that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. So when you change your thinking, then you are changed into a place where you can know what the will of God is. Because if you're not thinking in the right way, then the will of God doesn't make sense to you. You can't access it. And I'm not speaking even on a spiritual level. I'm speaking on a mind level, on a soul level. I like the scripture in the Amplified. You can give us the next one, Matthew. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, See, even in the, in the Amplified, they, they directly relate the thinking to values. You don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. So the change that happens in your mind is also spiritual maturity. Right thinking is also a factor of spiritual maturity. Sometimes we, we measure spiritual maturity a lot in the spirit. And that is also a part of it. But a part of spiritual maturity is soul maturity. Emotional awareness, emotional understanding, right thinking. By the renewing of your mind, how do you do it? Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. Thinking back to that, those arrows that I showed you. You renew your mind when you focus on godly values. Why? Because what you believe informs your thinking, informs your behavior, informs the environment. So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. When you change your thinking, you come to a place where you can know the will of God. Obviously, a a big way to change your thinking is to read the word of God. What kind of thinking do you want to have? You want to think like God thinks. Where can you get God's thinking? It's quite a lot of it lot, 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 lots of it. (laughs) Um, So, very first practical way to renew your thinking is to read your Bible. But read your Bible and then think about it. Think about what you've read. Um, I'm just sensing, even as I'm speaking, I sense there's some people in the room who've perhaps been taught not to trust your own thinking. Um, In some way, you've been taught that it's, It's more spiritual just to trust God to give you the answer than to use your brain to think. I want you to close your eyes. And if that's you, I just want you to look at me and I'm going to pray for you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Quite a few people. So Father, I just thank you for each person that's had the boldness to respond now. And we want to just take out that lie that says that we shouldn't think. It's not spiritual to think. We Just take out that lie in the name of Jesus. We want to thank you for our minds and thank you for our thinking. Thank you that you use our thinking and that it is an important part of our spirituality and it's an important part of our life. Thank you that you restore to each of those people the will and the capacity and the trust in their own thinking, Lord. Thank you that you are with us. So in that sense, our thinking is never alone because you are with us. You are also in our mind. Thank you that you guide us in that place. Thank you for a trust to be restored in the gift that you've given us to think and to reason and in our minds. I just want to bless every mind in this place in Jesus' name. Thank you that you even activate minds even further than you have in Jesus' name. I mean, so as they've researched this um, Bible, the Amplified, they've even linked this thinking to values. So we're gonna just do a quick exercise. Um, if you can use your phone, don't put on Facebook or something. Or w- if you have a pen in a book, that's better. And I want you to write down your top three values in your own life. Um, how do you know what your values are? So I just want you to write down the three values that you think you're living right now. Think about what you spend j- most time on, priorities, your top priorities. If you have to choose between a few things, Which do you choose? The one that you choose, that's what you value. Where do you spend your time? If you have an afternoon off and you can choose about between a sporting activity, visiting a friend, quiet time, series, time with your kids, time in the mountain, if you have all those choices on an afternoon off, the one that you choose first, second and third, that's probably related to your values. So just think about it. I'm not going to, no one's going to look at it. It's just for yourself, so you can be honest. Just write down what you think your top three values are. those who are finished I want you to also write down your top three aspirational values as in these are the values that I wish I had what I think I should have so the, the top three one two or three that you think you are living and then the top one two or three that you think you should be living or that you wish you were living give you another minute. So the top three values that you think you are living and the top three values that you think you should be living or that you want to be living for yourself. Matthew, if you can put up the next slide for me with the two columns. So this is what John Andrew says. The vision and values of a church will develop a distinct culture. Culture is the way we do things. It's the how, and our values determine our culture. Vision draws people together, and it sets a direction. Values keep people together, and it maintains a connection. Vision draws together, values keeps together. Vision is something you do, values is something to be. Vision is a direction, values is behavior. Vision is a what, values is a how. Just to give you that distinction. So just look at your lists And see if it's about behavior, if it's about who you want to be. If it's about connection. give you another bit of time with your list. So this is something that you can also take forward in the week. Um, perhaps you want to do it for yourself. It's always beneficial exercise. Perhaps you can also do it for your family. We actually this week, myself and Raina started for our family, just writing down what we want, uh, what we want the values to be. It probably is already some of that, um, but we also we also started putting it down on paper. So something you can do for yourself, you can do for your family, and then I'm going to share with you just what we've gotten to as a church. So as I said, we have a statement of faith. So values is not the place where we say we believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the Bible. We do believe those things, but that, that's in the statement of faith, of what we believe. Values says this is as a church what we value. This is how we want to behave. Behave, And um, you can just take the slides off, Matthew. Let me just share first. You can just take it away. Thanks. Um, obviously, biblically, l- the Bible gives us a lot of values that we should have. I mean, who wants to just mention one? Wh- what kind of behavior does the Bible say we should have? Forgiveness, Forgiveness. Love. love. I mean, yeah it's it's endless. You, I mean you you could go on for hours the behavior that the Bible says you should have. So, if you took the Bible and you mapped every value that's named in the Bible that a Christian should have, I think it could take your lifetime. So, also, what we're not trying to do is map the whole Bible into a set of values. So, what we try to do in this process is, we say, what is what is the Lord called us to as a church? We have a certain vision, and we haven't crystallized the vision going forward. The, the vision for for Shofar is to reach nations and generations through discipleship, leadership development, and church planting, and that is also that the vision that we fall under. As a congregation, we have a bit of a more specific vision, just the way that God calls us. You know, all churches in the world have the vision of glorifying God, if there are true biblical churches, but then every, every denomination has a specific calling, and then every congregation has a specific calling. So as a congregation, who knows what our vision has been since we've planted the church, Why? What has our why been? Yeah, receiving, discipling people, and sending them. Yeah, yes, sons and daughters coming from a foreign nation. So, God gave us a scripture when He planted the church: "I will send you sons and daughters from afar." And then the, the scripture speaks about them growing and eventually becoming royalty. So, as a church. This is the vision that we've always walked with. We receive people from everywhere in the world in our church. And for however long they are in Cape Town now in our church, we disciple each other. We encourage each other to grow. And um, we believe that the Lord is is developing that now, taking that a level further, which we don't know exactly what that is. We're praying about it. And the leaders are praying about it. And and we're pressing into God for that. We felt, Rainer felt, at the end of the year, the Lord said the vision is from healing to strength. So the Lord has done a lot of healing in our midst. Um, if you've missed that bus, we've been on years of healing. If you've missed the bus, then you can g- come to Encounter 3 next weekend. Or if you want to make sure that you've complete that process, come join Encounter 3. Say said to the mommies, for those with kids, maybe if you want to come, let one of the two come. Because um, we won't have kiddie facilities. But... Um, from healing to strength, we believe it's a time when the Lord is really building his strength. And and I love that I'm seeing it in Johannes' testimony and David Dick's testimony. I love that I see the Lord doing it in, in many different ways. In all the relationships that are springing up. <laughs> so many. Every day I hear a new one. Rihanna and Johannes got engaged last night. I don't know if you know. Amazing. Yes. Yay. Um, it's like literally every week that I hear about a new one. So... Um, The Lord is strengthening us, but in terms of the values, what we are saying is, what is the Lord specifically showing us as a congregation? We will have, so we have five core values now. Of course, we have more than five values as a church. There are more than five things that we value, but we need to say which are the core values. Even just the five that we have, I've purposed myself to work through them and, and think through them and wrestle through them in scripture and try and applied in my life, and just those five, it's a really tall order <laughs> already, so this is, so we're not trying to be exhaustive and comprehensive, we're not trying to translate the Bible, we're not trying to say what we believe, but we're saying, these are the five core values that the Lord is giving us as a congregation, so I want to share that with you, You can put that on up, Matthew, yeah, so knowing God, is the first one, and we describe that as relationship with God as a lifestyle. So we have a spreadsheet where we break that down into a very long description about what that all means, and we link it with scriptures, but I'm giving you the, the headlines. knowing God, relationship with God is a lifestyle. So this is our primary value. This is it. If we don't know God, there's nothing. This is the point. Firstly, we know God. This obviously means that we value salvation, which means that we have altar calls and services, that we p- we all trust for people to come to salvation, but it's It's not just the point of salvation. It's every day, every minute, knowing God, relationship with God. Living with fire, led by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural. We believe God moves supernaturally. We value it. We allow it. We make space for it. We respect it. We honor it. We grow in it. We let others grow in it. We have opportunities to grow in the supernatural. Not just any supernatural, because there's a lot of supernatural going on. Led by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural. Being together... Relationship with each other in honor and love. Some people describe this as community. We believe God brought us all together. We are a body. There's relationships amongst each other. Cultivating awareness, celebrating nations, giftings, and personalities. In some of the discussions, this was called awareness. So this is the nation's calling on our church. We believe in reconciliation and, and being facilitators and participants of reconciliation, where we believe in celebrating diversity, every tribe and tongue. So we are sensitive towards that. We welcome people who are different. um, We like to be um, a lot of people from a lot of different countries who live life in a lot of different ways. we We believe it represents heaven. We believe it represents kingdom. We want that. We celebrate it. Intentionally outward, church beyond the building. So y- you would have seen there's a sermon series coming up in October. Intentionally outward, meaning church goes beyond this meeting. This is not. This is if we are a sports team. This is the the team practice. The game is in the week. That's where it really happens. We believe people have a calling. We believe. God calls people in their career or in their business. We want people to be equipped for that, to be aware of that, to be supported, to team together, to reach others. um, And also as a church, we believe there's specific things God calls us to. And we want to be faithful and obedient in that, moral duties. The Bible gives a whole lot of moral obligations. Look after the poor, um, respond when there's a a crisis, like a natural disaster. um, I mean, I can also go on lifetime listing all the moral obligations in the Bible. As Chauffeur Anabash, God doesn't expect us to fulfill every moral obligation in the Bible. He expects his church in the world to fulfill every moral obligation in the Bible. But he divides it up. (laughs) So as a church, we are committed to finding our moral duties that he calls us to, and then to be faithful in that. So what is amazing is we, we, we prayed, and we had lots of workshops, and we spent many, many hours amongst different groups of leaders, which eventually came to this. Um, And we really started from nothing. We started from scratch. And then if you can move on to the next one, Matthew, as I moved, as I worked through it, um, I asked myself, so you can spend your lifetime mapping all the values in the Bible, but what is the crux? What is really what God wants us to do? And I felt it's the great commandment and the great commission. Okay, the great commandment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So for us in, as New Testament believers, the great commandment is the thing that Jesus gives us. He says, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then God commissions us. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you, and I'm with you to the end of the age. And as I looked at this, I realized if we go to the next one, Matthew, that I want to say coincidentally, but it is not coincidentally. Providentially, our values exactly map the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, our core values. So knowing God is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. Living with, so let's just skip that one and go to being together. Is love your neighbor as yourself. So one and three is the great commandment. Then the great commission: Living with fire, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and then God gives it to us. So God b- gives us the authority to move in the supernatural. They will go and make disciples of all nations. Awareness, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything intentionally outward. So wherever we go, we lead people to Christ, we disciple them, that's the calling outside of the church. So I found this incredibly um, comforting and um, confirm, confirming, yes, confirmational is probably not a word, confirming. And then we have the show for values, which also we didn't take into account when we asked the Lord about all our core values, because we really wanted to work through and, and hear from the Lord. But then when I looked at at it right at the end, if you go to the next one, again, providentially, our f- core values line up exactly to the shofar movement values, except they're a little bit more refined, which is how it should be, because we are, we are following the vision God has for this movement. But as a congregation, we are finding out exactly what we are called for. So the shofar values are all the ones with the Ps, <laughs> Passion for Jesus is for us knowing God. Power of belief is the living with fire. People to serve is both being together and cultivating awareness. In purpose to pursue and places to impact are both encompassed in intentionally outward. So these are the values that the Lord has shown us. And we are excited. And we're going to start living that. And want to encourage you to, as you work on your own values, to also t- take note of these start engaging this in your own life. I'm an, I'm going to kind of take them one by one and do my quiet time around it. So in my quiet time I'm going to pl- try and see in the Bible what o- what does God exactly say about knowing God and how do I want to practically implement this in my life? And then early next year we'll do we'll preach about each one to really give you a deeper insight into the scriptures and the practicalities around that. Amen. So let me pray for us. Thank you, Father, for this morning. We worship you. You're faithful, and we are just astounded by the work that you do, and we're so grateful that we get to see it. Thank you that you're glorious, Lord, and thank you, Father, for just this process in church so that we can commit it into your hands, and this process that you're working through with us, Lord. Thank you for each one of our hearts, for the grace to enable us to live these values, Lord, and that you do that amongst us, Um, and also within us. Thank you that you guide each one of us in the areas that you want us to grow, in the areas that you want us to grasp. So bless people this week as they work out their own personal values. Thank you for allowing us to become who you want us to become, not just to arrive somewhere, but to know and to be actively working on who we are becoming, that we might be like Jesus, each in a specific predestined way. And we thank you for that, Lord. Well, every you close, I just want to pray for you if you need to make right your relationship with God. If you hear here this morning, and in, in everything that I'm saying, you actually know that this first value is not quite in place for you. So if there's someone like that, I want you just to, to look at me so I know who you are. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for those four ladies that's responded this morning. And those four ladies, you can just agree with me in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that we can step back to you this morning. If perhaps, my, I don't know all of you, if perhaps one of you have never connected to God, i want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for that connection this morning. And I'm going to pray, and I, let's just all pray with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning, and I surrender my life. I repent of thinking, of doing, of being in ways that didn't please you. I say this morning that I can't do it, but you can. So I repent, and I release, I choose to trust you. I want to ask you to do this work in my life, to renew. Thank you for your grace. I receive your grace. Thank you that you died on the cross. I receive that work that complete work, in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, I pray for each person that responded this morning. Thank you that you're faithful to do a complete work in their hearts this morning. Thank you that you reconnect them with you, Lord, in every way that they need to, and that you strengthen them by your spirit. We just pray for that in Jesus' name. And just bless everyone's week. Thank you that you protect them and that you bless them and that you prosper their thinking this week and stir their thinking and even this, their discussions amongst each other to stir their thinking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. If you need some prayer, please feel free to come forward, especially if you responded. If you need prayer for anything else, God bless you. Join us for snacks around the corner.